0: Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful morning.
0: I think I'll go What's up everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Jr. That is me. With me as always, Full House on a Thursday, Super Producer Brandon Newman, my father Mike Golick Sr., and our dear friend Charlotte Wilder, Metal Art Media's very own, who is getting ready to head out later today to go cover Summer League in Vegas and is waltzed into the room today, Stu, Stugatz ass.
1: If I look like a mess, it's because I a little bit am, but I'm really doing my best. Everybody, I'm fixing my hair and pretending it's a bit, but I'm really just fixing my hair.
0: So what's going Charlotte, did you just wake up right now? Are you preparing to go to the airport right after this? Walk us through a day in the life of Charlotte Wilder getting ready to go and leave Decumber Summer League for the NBA.
1: First of all, I don't think anybody wants to know the truth of what a day in my life is like. I'm like horrified at my face right now as I see it pop up very big. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're all just doing our best. I put on a little concealer. No, I've been up for a while. I've been trying to pack. I have to go to the airport after this. Um, but I'm very excited. I've never been to Summer League before. Um, and, you know, I we're going to see Big Vic. We're going to see Big Vic Versus Brandon Miller, you know what people are calling the most highly anticipated matchup of uh, recent years. Um, so no, I you know things are things are good, things are a little hectic, but I think that's when you make the best content. To be honest,
2: all I have to say, Charlotte, is I am very impressed with you. you we know you have reached stardom like stature when no. you can log on literally five seconds before the show starts. Once Isaiah, really Isaiah is literally... Isaiah is literally in his countdown, and we hear Charlotte, I'm here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is like, we're pulling back. This is too much. We're breaking the fourth wall too much. This is is, is the good stuff. Do you want to know what really happened? Of course. Okay, so I signed on, and I was all ready to go, and then I realized I have this screen that I pull back behind me, um, because otherwise you can just see my bedroom because I live in a one bedroom if anyone wants to buy me a two or three bedroom I'll have the most beautiful studio anyone's ever seen but then I realized that I had to do this so I hopped up and did it and w- with 10 and I said to myself I was like pretend you're an astronaut don't panic just do things very very <laughs> just like keep focused and you're gonna if you panic you're not gonna be there in time so I didn't panic I just rolled the thing out and worked Wait, it. Well, how home? long is
0: Pretend you're an astronaut, been the mantra that you go to in critical situations?
1: Um. Well, you know, probably more than is normal. Uh, I also think pretend you're driving a boat and everything's going wrong. I think, like, just really stay very calm and you're going to waste less time than if you start freaking out about the thing that's going wrong. Yeah. Um, So that's what I say to my, I say, I'm like, pretend that you were in charge of a a vessel that um, requires great concentration.
2: Like an airplane.
1: Yeah. Or an airplane, you know?
2: Okay. All right. I I was just trying to think of the job that that would, that would. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of the job that would be the most, where you need the most concentration where you could use that in. Because uh, I've never be like an astronaut. Now, of course, you have to be pretty focused to be an astronaut. I do understand that, but that was interesting. I hadn't heard that one.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, you I know think what? There are I would. A lot of things, I would.
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> there are a lot of things that go on in my head that people haven't heard before. Mike, that's all I'll say.
0: True. I would say it's akin to trying to host a show on a wilder Thursday here and corral everybody into this because we do have a great show for everybody. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five star rating, and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well as live right here for all of this goodness on DraftKingsNetwork.com and Samsung TV plus. Lane Johnson from the Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl champion and all pro offensive tackle. Gonna join us in a little bit. It is O line Masterminds Week. Dad, as we've seen throughout the NFL now, and I, I'd be curious if someone had approached you back in the day, Dad, as a defensive lineman who always, you've said, pass rushing wasn't your specialty. It seems like so many of these player summits have sprung up in response to way back when Von Miller did the Von Miller pass rushing summit where he brought a bunch what? of the best pass rushers in the NFL together to kind of trade around ideas. It spawned tight end you that we just saw with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. We've obviously seen quarterbacks getting together for years, but O-line masterminds is in its sixth year. It's some of the best offensive linemen in the NFL, former legends all getting together down in Frisco, Texas to kind of chop it up. Dad, what it would have been like if they had pitched you on this back in the nineties, playing for the Eagles.
2: God, there'd have been a lot of partying man, we would have gone out and had a great time. It, it would, I feel like it would have been an excuse to get together for a weekend. See, that's one of the big things. Like when I played, players from different teams didn't get together. You know, now you still had like guys from the U would work out in the offseason together, but they were all like teammates or all went to the U. You know, even though they may have been on different teams, they had a connection. But just to get players together like they do now which and don't get me wrong I think it's a good thing but just back then it was different you didn't you didn't go hang out with somebody you were going to play against even if it was your position if he was from a different team that really didn't send now some may have done it but nothing in a in a kind of organized thing like that it just it just wasn't really done to where it's done now and I, and I do think it's a great thing and now one of the first questions I want to ask Lane is who came up with masterminds? I mean, I, that's that's really reaching around patting your guys itself on the back as old Lyman did, you know, mastermind thing. But you know, I guess you have to come up with a name.
0: Well, I mean, listen, that's what happens when you are actually the side of the ball that's got to do any bit of thinking. So we do that so you guys don't have to. And I think the animosity right there is exactly why it popped up, Dad, because a lot of people, even on different teams in the same positions, figured out, oh, we're not playing against each other. We've got to beat those guys. And those guys, outside of you, just happen to be some of the best athletes in the entire universe while we're backing up and trying to do that. And so... We better all work together on this. Charlotte, I feel like journalists have been doing this for a long time. Like I see all of these journalist conferences, and my dad hit the nail on the head because every time I see one of these pop up or people talk about it, there's obviously all these things about honing your craft. It just seems like an excuse for people to party. I feel like Tight End You does that about as well as anybody, but I feel like we're all taking the baton from journalists on this.
1: You know, I might even go a step farther and say that it's like the – Um, pharmaceutical industry or you know one of these like like an office supply convention in vegas i feel like sports and journalism saw what was going on in like actual businesses and they thought you know what i think that we can get away with this here um but yeah journalists love to you know my, my mom is a writer and my dad always says that writers get together and talk about writing and money and it's like that's sort of that's sort of what journalists do um i also think it's really interesting with all of these camps that have sprouted up for players um i love that there is i love when fans get mad that players from other teams are hanging out or like after a game when players will go up and hug each other because they, they know each other, they went to college together, they played together for them. This isn't the, you know, to the death rivalry that fans might feel that it is. And so yeah. I love the, the little behind the curtain peek at the friendships that these guys have in these camps. And I like that it actually does make some fans mad. So I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very excited yeah. for Lane to tell us about the masterminds.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be a very a very good window into the process there from Lane, who also, I mean, listen, he's coming off losing in a Super Bowl for the first time. He's obviously got the win back from 2017. He's in an offensive line room with a full-time podcaster, so plenty of great stuff to get with him on there. Charlotte, you're absolutely right that we have stolen this from the business world at large, though, because I do remember when I would go work at ESPN's office in LA and stay at the JW Marriott downtown here, they were always hosting conventions, and I remember I would leave to go to dinner early in the night and down in the lobby you'd see people getting together having drinks doing their thing and you'd come back four hours later and I would legitimately see people wearing name tags and button-down shirts making out in the corner by the bathroom like they're high schoolers (laughs) when you quickly realize that after a few drinks everything devolves into spring break so Charlotte how worried are you about this being summer league, this is your first summer league experience. You're going out to Vegas where all this is happening. What is your expectation outside of just what you're going to see on the court with some of the names you mentioned?
1: You know, I think my expectation is that, I mean, of course, this is another excuse for people to get together and party, which I think is great. Um, I think that I'm, if I'm being honest, a little nervous, just because I think the first time you go to anything, um, I don't want to pretend them I'm like, oh, yeah, I I don't need to worry about this like i've been in sports for a long time i still think that the first time you go to anything just not knowing the rhythms and the beats um i'm excited to see what that's like i also feel like i don't have the appropriate vegas outfits i feel like i'm gonna show up looking like a rare books dealer to a lot of these parties but i also think that i'm okay with that like i've made my peace with it so i'm excited to show up as my full self to something that that might um not be where you would normally find me. Let's put it that way.
2: So you said all these parties. Is there an itinerary? I mean, do we know what the nights out are going to be like outside of the basketball games? Is there somebody heading up this thing? Is somebody the Julie from Love Boat, if you don't know, Google it, that's kind of organizing everything, you know, for the parties?
1: You know, I I really hope so. Uh, I don't think I've been invited to enough of them. Uh, So I'm hoping that that comes up. I definitely I have one party I know i am definitely invited to and then I'm just going to be like, you got to let me know or I'm going to be in bed at 830 getting room service. So someone needs to you got to keep me informed or I'm just going to turn into a pumpkin.
0: It is ten eleven AM on the East Coast, seven eleven Pacific, and we have just gotten our first love boat reference of the day as we try and help Charlotte navigate the Vegas party scene <laughs> I'm in scared. twenty. I'm a little scared. I'm a little League. scared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we should
0: all be a little bit terrified right now um, because Charlotte has described the most harrowing problem of going to any sports media related event, which is figuring out how everyone gets on these damn lists for all of these damn parties. I have been doing this for eight years now, and every time I go to an event, it is still me looking around wondering when I am going to get cool enough or connected enough to make it to any of these things without having to beg. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. All right, so as you've established by now, we have a lot going on with a Wilder Wednesday on a Thursday here. I want to get to, uh, because we are at this point in the summer as we get ready for NFL training camps, which... Start in a few weeks. Like, the Hall of Fame induction is August 5th weekend, which means that's the Hall of Fame game weekend. So we're inching closer and closer to all of this getting going. And ESPN.com had Mike Clay and Seth Walder take a look and rank the best rosters in the NFL going into this season. And I want to get to one roster in particular that I think at a fascinating juncture in their timeline in maybe the toughest division in football this year. But first, guys... Summer's in full swing here, and we want to get you guys right and prepared for the elements outside. I'm sure a bunch of you were outside for the 4th of July weekend, and the sun, our common enemy, is back at it which means you need to get a great pair of shades that you don't have to baby or worry about. That's my biggest thing. I'm my father's son, which means I've broken and lost a lot of sunglasses over the years, and usually it's because I'm trying to take too good a care of them, be safe around them. Knockaround sunglasses are going to be your go-to. They are quality, polarized shades that aren't going to break the bank, and you don't have to worry about babying while you're out around the pool. They also, in honor of MLB's upcoming All-Star Weekend, just released the first nine teams of their official Major League Baseball uh, collection, You got the Red Sox, you got the Yankees. We've also got, speaking of America, the official U.S. women's soccer team sunglasses so you can add a little extra spice to your game day outfits as you get ready for the summer's big matches coming up. So don't be the person that's got squinting at the sun worried about getting sand in their overpriced sunglasses had to knockaround.com and get great looking polarized shades starting at just 28 bucks. And dad, I do know that's right up your alley because no one has ever lost or broken more expensive pairs of sunglasses that my mom has tried to buy than you. It's an incredible feat.
2: I am so bad at it. I it's and these. That's why these are the best sunglasses because I wear them uh occasionally and its perfect name is knock around cuz i knock them around and they come back and keep keep going for me and that's all that matters keep the sun out of my eyes don't cost you too much money so you don't feel bad if you misplace a pair or two here and you just keep going on yeah i'm done with expensive sunglasses
0: there we go we have waved goodbye and we have said hello to our dear sweet friends at knock around um so dad and charlotte uh, since we're having lane on i thought this was interesting <laughs> Uh, looking, so again, on ESPN.com, uh, Mike Clay and Seth Walder, who both do a great job over there, ranked the best rosters in the NFL from 1 to 32 um, and came up with what they anticipated as the league's best. Now, they broke it down and went with the strongest unit on each team, weakest unit on each team, X-Factor, and then non-starter that you needed to know, but essentially, building off what we did a while back of just having the best offensive skill groups outside of quarterbacks. Like, this is factoring in the whole team. And, Dad, I wanted to get your opinion in particular on one because the top 10 is almost exactly what you would imagine when you look at this list here. You start off up top Kansas City's at one, the Eagles are at two, and then it goes Buffalo at three, Miami at four, Cincinnati at five finishing off the top ten with Dallas, the Chargers, the 49ers, the Browns and the Jets, which, first off, the whiplash of seeing the Browns and the Jets now in the top ten of anything NFL-related, Dad. that alone will probably fry a lot of brains out there, but probably pretty accurate, especially now that both of those teams have made the quarterback changes that they've made in the last couple of years, as much as Jets fans will balk at that. Dad, I wanted to ask your opinion on where you're at with Buffalo. Because this being the third best roster in the NFL... We know, wide receiver at the top end. Stephon Diggs is incredible, and they're lacking a bit behind that. The defense has been really strong the last few years, but feels like it's getting older in so many key areas. You look at the back end of that defense with Jordan Poyer and company who were banged up last season. They made moves um, with their linebacking court, Jermaine Edmonds leaving in the offseason. And then D-line, you're waiting for Von Miller to come back off a knee injury at his age as your high-priced acquisition from last year. How close do you feel this roster is to kind of getting past its best days?
2: Well, I, I think they're getting close, but but I think what they're doing is kind of let's hang on to this and see if we can get one out of it. Because you know you mentioned what their safeties is probably their uh, probably their strongest, but you, two years ago, I think it was a couple of years ago, they were they were tops. But last year, these guys went through some injuries, so and and they went through a decent amount of injuries, and that's the one thing you can ever account for. Is injuries, But I understand when you're as close as you are, that to me, it's not really the time to start churning the roster, see what you can get, see if you can make hay with what you have, and then you're going to have to start turning it as well. Now, that may not sound like the smartest thing in the world to do, because if you rely on the older guys who are getting injured, all of a sudden, if they can't perform, what do you have left? What's your depth like? You know, because you're going to have to rely on your depth in football because there's so many injuries. So the smartest teams with the caps and getting depth are a lot of times the best teams. And then, then it's basically keep your fingers crossed and hope your main guys, your core guys, nobody gets injured. But we see that all the time. So I think their window is shutting. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that they're not only in an unbelievably tough division, but they're in a tough conference. So. If they were in the NFC, I would give them a little more hope because it's way, way more top heavy uh, with basically Philadelphia and San Francisco. But in the AFC, it's going to be tough. So, you know, you still have a young quarterback, obviously, and a lot to build around. But I think you're trying to hang on to some of these aging pieces that have now gotten nicked up a little bit to try and say, OK, let's try and finish the deal with these guys.
0: It just it feels strange, and like the offense towards the end of last season, Charlotte, you're down in Miami a lot right now. It feels like Josh Allen is doing a ton of the lifting on this because if Tua vailoa had not been obviously dealing with the concussions and building off the success of early in last season, this Dolphins roster looks like it could be the most talented in that division, which is saying a lot given what they've got on defense and the freaks in the wide receiver room there.
1: No, I totally agree, and I think that for Buffalo having wide receiver be the weakest unit, it's like, okay, well, I'm sort of surprised. I understand that Josh Allen is Josh Allen. I understand that Buffalo has been super successful the last few years, but I think that especially with whatever was going on up there with Diggs and Allen – that's going to be that's sort of I'm, I'm almost surprised they're above Miami, because I, y- if you don't have anyone to throw the ball to reliably in a very trusting relationship, that's where things can really start to fall apart.
0: And I think that's a good backdrop, and this list kind of signifies what the expectation is and then how precarious this could get of all of these things, the injuries, the little bit of friction that we've seen, now turn this into a season that is once again potentially falling short of their ultimate goal while Kansas City continues their march towards the top. Makes you wonder what the fallout would look like in Buffalo after this year. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So, saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIN. Only on the DK Horse app. dead outside of uh, again what I think is just a reminder of the stakes of the game which seem pretty obvious for Buffalo right we're stating the obvious they've been on the doorstep especially a couple of years ago, 13 seconds, the playoff loss, all of this. Buffalo's been right here. The back end of last year felt like a little bit of a hitch in the step back. And now with all the changes there, we're wondering if they're going to be able to weather it as this roster in its core ages a bit in certain areas. But did anything else stick out to you about the top rosters in the NFL that we saw ranked? Yeah,
2: one thing really stuck out to me is I think they got it completely right with the worst roster in the NFL. That's the Arizona Cardinals. But what's interesting, how many years ago did the Rams win the Super Bowl? Oh, that's it was facetious. Two. Two years ago, they are ranked the 31st roster out of 32 teams. This just goes to show how they sold their soul. And I'm not saying it's bad because they got the payoff of the Super Bowl. And that's what this whole gig is about, winning the Super Bowl. Now, They have not been set up too well after that because they don't have a draft pick, you know, a top draft pick for 90 years. And we know all that went about the team they have. But when you read about, it's like Buffalo hanging on to some of the players. I mean, you look at the, the Rams, the strength of that team is obviously Aaron Donald at D tackle. And then the weakness is the rest of the defense. They had six or seven players that played over 700 snaps. They're all gone. They're all gone. So that team has to kind of keep reinventing itself. And you had Stafford who was hurt on the offensive side. Cooper Cup was hurt on the offensive side as well. So that's a team through roster turnover and injuries has really fallen. But as I said, they sold their soul for the Super Bowl and they won it. So that gives them a little bit of grace, period.
0: Yeah, it's a reminder of how hard all of this is, which actually is a great segue into our guest now, Super Bowl champion and all-pro offensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, Lane Johnson, joining us here now on the show. And Lane, I mean, we were just talking about the difficulty of going you know, roster building after a Super Bowl, the way some of these teams build. For you, having been in the building for the Super Bowl that you guys won back years ago now, and then seeing the job your organization has done, Getting you guys back to the game last year and and as one of the best teams in the NFL, uh, how difficult is weathering that storm in the middle when you see so many of the changes happening with guys around you?
3: Yeah, so uh, a lot of things change after uh, a Super Bowl appearance. You know, guys are on new contracts or a fresh start somewhere, but I felt like uh, Howie did a great job uh, re-signing guys, uh, getting guys to stay here, and I feel like just you know, the core nucleus of the team has really stayed intact, maybe compared to, um, you know, our first Super Bowl run a few years ago. So I just feel like uh, the nucleus is still intact. Uh, offensive and defensive lines are still uh, really good. And so I feel like uh, heading to uh, this year, especially with the additions in the draft, that we're in a, a really good place.
2: Yeah, certainly a different way than done with the Rams for sure. And even with the Bucks when they won a couple of years ago, they actually re-signed the entire roster or the entire starting twenty-two that following year to kind of mm-hmm. kind of pay it off again, and it didn't work. And then they had contracts that hurt him and stuff, and Brady leaves, so mm-hmm. they're in a in a tough spot here for sure. All right, Lane, I have to ask this as the D, the former D lineman of the group. Uh, you got this, you know, O line thing coming up, and it's called Masterminds. G- give me give me some help on that. As a former D lineman, you O lineman calling yourself Masterminds? Come on.
3: Uh, You know, really, the name came from Duke. I think it was just mainly an attention grab, but I feel like, uh, you know, what we're trying to do is to get the the Hall of Fame guys in here to talk football. That was kind of the whole gist of getting guys in one room, uh, you know, both current players, former players, and uh, really get the brotherhood going. But, you know, I I credit Von Miller with really starting all of this, um, you know, especially with the D-line camp. Um, You know, I feel like if you – uh five six seven years ago i guess like when he started so um you know credit goes all to him so lane
0: you mentioned uh, o-line masterminds in all seriousness is A great event. Been down there a a bunch of times in Frisco. This is the sixth annual that you guys have done this. And you mentioned getting some Hall of Famers back in the room. You guys have some great names going to be back this year. I know Steve Hutchinson, who was there last year, is going to be back again. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest change you've seen from year one to year six now and the way that you guys have gone about this event that is supposed to get that brotherhood across generations and kind of help dudes go out here and figure out how to block some of those freaks like Vaughn?
3: yeah so you know the first uh, first meeting i think it was around 25 to 26 people and really uh i just felt like it, it kept growing uh to, i think we have around 250 this year 254 i think to be exact but uh yeah just um you're getting a lot of um of the young rookies that are coming to this a lot of the college guys uh, especially last year have started to come in so i feel like guys in college are or seeing guys on film that maybe they can relate to or have a similar body type and and feel like they can maybe learn a thing or two from their play style. But, yeah, just uh, my goal was to get a a variety of guys uh, to come. Uh, We have new additions this year. Bruce Matthews is coming, uh, Whitworth, um, Will Shields is coming. Obviously, Hutch is coming. Um, I I believe Mark Schlereth will be there. Uh, Mike Pereira will be there to talk rules. So, really just um, getting all these guys in the room, I, I feel like, this year, we're going to put a, more of an emphasis on, um, you know, the film the film room. I feel like maybe breaking up the centers and guards into a section and the tackles into another section so we can get uh, really a game plan for guys uh, going into the season uh, and guys that they're going to face.
2: So, Lane, you mentioned how Vaughn started with with, uh, the D-line summit or or pass rush summit like five, six, seven years ago. This is your sixth uh, O-line mastermind. You've been in the league ten years. So, when did was it when you first got in the league? You know, when you get to the off seasons, normally you didn't see players from opposing teams hang out together or do things together. Did that change since you've been in the league, or has that always kind of been a thing since you've been in the league?
3: Uh, No, I think it's definitely changed, especially over the past, you know, three or four years. Initially, when I got in the league, I didn't really see a lot of that. But I felt like um, just with uh, the O-line group in general, I feel like it's a pretty tight-knit community. So, you know, we're all living the same lives. And so getting the people to come um, wasn't the biggest problem. It was just trying to organize this and and pick out the location and, uh, you know, figure out all of that. But really... Um, I feel like guys have been excited uh, about this. But my main thing this year is, is for guys to get some good info. Uh, obviously, heading into camp, I feel like the timing's right. You know, uh, most guys start, I believe, July 24th, 25th. So, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, they're going to be able to see everything on film. Um, but I feel like just giving tips or getting tips from, from guys on how to attack different players or how to utilize their skill set guys can leave uh with more confidence and and hopefully learn a thing or two while they're down there
0: it's a great exchange of information on the field like you mentioned and you also got Pereira there but I know you and Jay Glazer are also doing a talk on mental health down there and for anyone that's been following you they've seen you very publicly champion the conversation around mental health I know you and Jay did a feature Mm -hmm. on it a while back what is your message going to be to guys when you talk to them about this
3: Yeah. You know, I was very reluctant to, to jump in this world, but uh, whenever my event became public in 21, um, you know, I realized it could, it could help a lot more people than, than I thought. So uh, really just the conversations from different players over the past couple of years has been really good. So, you know, a lot of the stuff I like to do privately, but um, yeah, I just feel like going into the year that this has become a lot more more, I feel like publicized from the NFL and just sports in general. And I feel like, uh, you know, having the outreach to reach all these players, uh, it doesn't really matter who you are, how accomplished you are. Everybody's affected by it uh, in some way, shape or form. So I feel like just getting the discussion started and uh, giving these guys resources. So if they do find themselves in the bind or they do find themselves um, feeling like, um, you know, they're in a tight spot, that they have a person to talk to or people to talk to. And uh, yeah, really, I feel like just this movement in sports um, has really taken off over the past few years. So yeah, man, it's been refreshing. It's been cool. You see, you get a lot of great insight from from great players. You learn a lot from players that, uh, you know, possibly have been dealing with this for a long time and you would never think they had the problems, but they get to discuss, um, you know, how they've handled, um, you know, their battles and how they've overcome them. So it's been, it's been really neat.
2: So, Lane, you're one of the best tackles in the league, and you've been doing this for a few years. Even with your stature on on where you are in the hierarchy of tackles, are there any of these Hall of Famers, that, or, or is there one or two that you were like, wow, I can't wait to meet this guy. He's coming to our event. I can't wait to meet him and talk to him.
3: Um, you know, obviously, I was trying to get um – Anthony Munoz, he couldn't make it this year. Uh, I would like to meet him, but uh, you know how having Willie there last year was really cool. Um, you know Willie Rofe and Willie Anderson. So um, you know a couple of years ago, I had Willie uh, fly out to Oklahoma City, uh, worked with him uh, for a couple of sessions, and so yeah, I mean the, the game has changed a lot. Uh, the bodies, the body types have changed. The, the type of play has changed, but. Uh, you know how how the process and how you uh, attack your game week uh, a lot of similarities in that so yeah I I picked uh I picked Willie Anderson's brain a long time when he was here you know he was a right tackle competing against left tackles and I felt like he was the right tackle of his generation uh finally got publicized hopefully he'll get in the hall of fame I'm pulling for that but yeah man having those different guys in there and, and they they explain their different techniques you know sometimes uh, you know I have a I feel like a similar play style to Whitworth with, you know, how I sit back and catch guys double under. But some guys are big on throwing hands. Some guys are big on flat setting. And so, yeah, just uh, seeing how these uh, these guys approach the game in a different manner, uh, you know, it's like an art form. And so it's really cool to see and, and pick these guys brains and learn how they play football for such a long time at a high level.
0: It's an amazing collection of talent in there, but it's wild for you because inside your own offensive line room, you probably get two guys that are wearing, going to be wearing gold jackets eventually that are going to get to pick each other's brains with you and uh, Jason Kelsey, your guy's center. Although I'm curious for you now what the relationship has been like that you have a full-time podcaster in the offensive line room. Because I feel like for a long time, if you had an O-lineman talking to the media that much, that was going to get you fined. What's the dynamic been like now that Jason Uh stepped in front of the microphone full-time here?
3: Oh, man, it's been cool. So, yeah, I, I sit in the back row next to him. So a lot of uh, kind of the planning um, or general, I guess, the discussion board is kind of discussing in the back room. Fuck like, like a lot of ideas fly off of us and we kind of give him the nod of approval or the nod of disagreement. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been cool. But, yeah, I feel like, he, you know, he's obviously realized the media world is, is something totally different. A lot of work, a lot of upkeep, and a lot of you know adapting to what the fans want, and what the viewers want. But I really feel like he's uh, enjoying the process, uh, and I feel like it, it's really cool for him to venture out and do something. I mean, obviously, it contains football, but really uh, get to show his personality and and obviously something that I've, I've got to see over the past decade of what type of character he is. But now it's uh, it's funny to see how the world's reacting to it. Uh, and just the character he is, and obviously Travis is a character, but yeah, it's really funny to, to see the world uh, kind of uh, get inside our world and, and witness this.
2: Lane, every year the Super Bowl, I, I used to not go to it, because uh, in my nine years, I never got close to playing in it, so I was always jealous of you guys, so the last couple I got to actually work so, I've enjoyed that part of it. But from the playing side of it, you've won one and you've lost one. For those 99.9% of not only regular people, but football players who will never get to the Super Bowl, just how different is it from, you know, we talk about preseason and regular seasons tougher than the speed picks up in the playoffs. And then there's the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, you just, uh, you realize how long of a season it is. You know, I talked about this last year, uh, you know, we start July 24, 25th and you're ending in February. So really a long year, uh, a lot goes into a season. Obviously you have to have a great talented team, you have to overcome adversity, but a lot of it goes down to luck, uh, people uh, staying healthy and not being injured. Uh, so that goes into it and really uh, it goes down to focus and uh, peaking at the right time. So I feel like last year, um, I feel like you know, we had two losses that were right before playoffs. So uh, I felt like that really got our attention to uh, and refocused us in to where we needed to be. And, and obviously we came up short, but, um, you know, throughout both processes, you really realize how special of a moment it is, how lucky you are to be there. I remember the first Super Bowl, uh, Brent Selleck was talking about how he went to, I believe, the NFC ch- Championship game, maybe his uh, rookie year, and uh, they lost. And he was uh, talking about how, uh, you know, I'll be back soon enough. And, you know, <laughs> year 11 was the next time he was able to to get to that moment. So, yeah, you realize how, how special it is. You realize, um, you know, to take advantage of your time with the teammates and, um yeah, really just try to stay in the moment. There is a lot of distractions and there's a lot going on around playoff time. And so, yeah, um, um, during that time, you realize you got to be at your best. So I felt like whatever routine you've established during the year, um, you know, it's definitely – it all comes full circle in the end.
0: Lane, you going through this the second time, you did it with a new quarterback here, uh, a young guy who got the reward he deserved in Jalen Hurts this offseason. What would you learn about your quarterback during this run?
3: Yeah, just how, uh, you know, resilient of a guy is and how, you know, no matter the stage, no matter what's going on around, he still maintains uh, his demeanor in the huddle, his, his demeanor in the building. Uh, you know, his work ethic doesn't change, his approach doesn't change. So, you know, really through the course of my tenure with Jalen, uh, through the good times the bad, you know, when he's having the quarterback controversy with Carson, uh, you know, how he battled back the next year to get us into the playoffs and really ascending to the level he did this year. You just see progression um, uh, increasing, um, you know, his skill set. But yeah, really, as far as uh, the contract, I think the only big purchase he's might as purchase is a house in, uh, in Philadelphia. But Yeah, other than that, man, I I don't see that really affecting him too much. If anything, it's going to, you know, add pressure for him to focus more and and become a better player at the end of the day.
0: And a better O-line Christmas gift at the end of the year, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. I'm I'm looking forward to that this year. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Wait, speaking of Christmas, and we only got a couple minutes left, Lane. We appreciate all your time today. I do have to ask because you guys, your O-Line room, shocked the world last year. You, Jordan Mylata, Jason, and the rest of the crew putting out the Christmas album. Are we getting part two this year? Have you guys been back in the lab?
3: Yes, we have been back in the lab. So uh, it is official. Uh, we're on for a second one. So, yeah, that that whole thing was, you know, Kelsey and I are obviously big fans of music uh limited limited availability and talent but we knew we had an ace with uh Jordan just uh with his skill set what he's able to do but really yeah get going into the studio going into that um uh, you know that business you realize how much is put into it there's a lot that goes into an album And so really eye opening for myself Kelson and and Jordan so it was really fun but going into a booth with no voice or vocal talent is uh not a good feeling. It feels like you're walking on the field and you might've left your helmet on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: God. I've had that dream one too many and intimidating. Cause like you said, Jordan, my has got a legit set of pipes. Like, does he just sing around the locker room all the time? Because he should.
3: Yeah. Yeah, he does. And I don't, I'm not sure if he's been, you know, classically trained or any of that, but it, it seems like he has, so, but he has no issue. Obviously he's very talented, but yeah, for Kelsey and I, it's, yeah, it's like you put two hound dogs in the album and, and you and you try to make it work with the technology you can to make it sound a little bit better.
0: It's like us here, man. You can fix it all in post. It's the uh, it's the beauty of modern technology. But it was a ton of fun, <laughs> yeah. man. We're we're looking forward to part two and uh, certainly looking forward to O-Line Masterminds this weekend, man. I know it's going to be another great event. You guys always do an awesome job. Uh, thanks so much, man. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon as we get closer to the season. All right, brother?
3: Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Lane. Thanks.
0: You know,
2: you, you mentioned uh, Mylotta. He got married. He sang at his wedding. He sang a song to his bride. His voice, and you can find it on Twitter, his voice is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, and I don't think it's, you know, how today you can doctor it a little bit. I don't think his needs it. He has just got some great pipes.
0: No, I remember when, so they put out, for anyone that missed it, it was a very Philly Christmas, I believe was the name of the Christmas album that those guys put out last year, and they put out the little mini documentary with it, and the first time they got up there, and Jordan is on screen coming in for his part, and you kind of see the faces of everybody else who the teammates obviously knew because you're around each other so much like Lane mentioned, you kind of get used to guys' hidden talents. You know, I I played with guys that were a whiz on the piano where we'd walk into the hotel on the road games and guys would just sit down there and start going on the keys or guys that can rap or guys that can sing. So they all knew, but seeing the faces of all these people working with them in the recording studio when this mountain of a man, I mean, Jordan milata is an absolute beast, then also produces this angelic voice. Some people just weren't... Getting more tickets when they hand them out at the genetic lottery, Dad. There's nothing else that can be said.
2: No, that's exactly right. I mean, he he's got that gift. And this old line, listen, there's one change. Cam Jurgens will take over at right guard. That's the only player they lost. So it's one of the best lines, if not the best line in all of football.
0: And, and led by two guys, like I said in there, and I firmly believe that our future Hall of Famers in yep. Travis and uh, Jason Kelsey and uh, Lane Johnson. <laughs> The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boost, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code gojo. That's code gojo for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, all you guys need to know is we get set for this, that, and the third, three quick stories to finish off your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating, and tell us more of what you want to see and hear. All you need to know about this, that, and the third today is in my ear before we are coming back to do this podcast. I hear from Charlotte Wilder, I have a cocaine at the White House take. So let's get started and make sure we get there with plenty of time and runway for Charlotte on this. And uh, we'll start off tame uh, with this. Uh, Caitlin Clark, who obviously took the world by storm in college basketball on the women's side this year. Got to go and tee it up this weekend. Dad, she played in the John Deere Classic Pro-Am uh, this past weekend and apparently is great at golfing the same way she yeah. is at basketball which isn't surprising, Dad. What I made me curious about, though, is we're about a week out now. You're going to play in the American Century Classic out at Tahoe, the event every year where we see athletes and celebrities going to golf, and you're finally getting to play in this. So how are you feeling with your golf game right now coming off our tournament last weekend?
2: Well, I have got to golf in front of people before. I played in the Houston Pro-Am a couple of times and played with one of the PGA guys, Gary Woodland, who was such a nice guy. Watching those guys hit is just so different. It's just so different, but got to play in front of some people in kind of a nervy moment. But I, I am a little nervous about this, though what, what calmed my nerves, because you know the stars are play in this, we just had the match, right? With Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Travis Kelsey, and Pat Mahomes. Steph Curry's the best golfer out of all of them. They spend so much time off the green and in the rough, it made me feel better because I think all these guys are going to be there, and and it made me start to realize that, This event is on TV, and when it's on TV, they're mainly just showing the good players, and I had it in my head, all of these players are really good when they're not. So I feel I'll be right at home with some of these players in it. I am looking forward to meeting, because Mike, as you know, what your mother and I watch every night, Ray Romano is golfing in this, and (laughs) your mother and I watch, everybody loves Raymond, every night we watch the reruns, and... Can I be that guy? Hey Ray, re- remember, remember that episode when the girl ate the fly? You know, should I start doing that?
1: <laughs> you watch, you watch Everybody Loves Raymond reruns yes! every night.
2: Every night, me and the That's wife. Yes, awesome. we do. We're That's big awesome. Ray Romano fans. Charlotte. Yeah,
0: the, it is unbelievable. My dad is going to be the most starstruck person to ever meet <laughs> Ray Romano. I can guarantee yeah. <laughs> that wholeheartedly <laughs> so everything in our family's life has now just become an excuse to reference everybody loves Raymond we're going to make that happen we're going to make that meeting I'm going to yeah. try and stew gots it and get Ray Romano on the podcast after that oh. it's all it's all going down like this but yes to dad's point when I saw Patrick Mahomes shooing away fans in the gallery saying we are not professionals we will hit you that's when I realized you're going to be totally fine at this you're going to have a ton it's of my fun
2: biggest fear right it it's my biggest fear is is slicing one into somebody's grill. I mean, I, I am so afraid of that. If you're standing in the middle of the fairway, that's the safest spot uh, for my shot. If you're on the if you're on the in the rough, you're in a lot of trouble.
0: All right. Speaking of a lot of trouble, let's get to the Los Angeles Angels and Major League Baseball because we're coming up on All Star Weekend. Heading to Seattle, going to be fun. We're not heading to Seattle. Baseball is heading to Seattle, but unfortunately, Shohei Atani may not be the Angels, man, going through it. They've got all the drama heading up to the trade deadline of will they, won't they with Shohei. They're four games back from a wild card spot right now, and it was just announced Mike Trout's going to miss, I believe, four to eight weeks with an injury to his wrist, and Shohei Atani left the same game with a blister on his pitching hand and now is going to be Doubtful, potentially, they're going to see how it goes heading into All-Star Weekend. Charlotte, this is a big-time bummer because I know we've got great names in the Home Run Derby. You've got Julio Rodriguez, the youngster from Seattle, the hometown kid. Pete Alonso is always going to be there. Vlad Guerrero Jr. But I really wanted to see our large Japanese son go out there and crush baseballs for the crowd.
1: Yeah, I think everybody did, Mike. I think right now it's like what's a Home Run Derby without Shohei? I think also the as you said all the contract stuff coming up just adds so much intrigue that everyone's like watching how good is he and 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 watching the injuries, watching all the stuff going on with the Angels. Um just I mean it's like the best reality show on baseball right now and I think not having Shohei there is that would be a huge bummer because nobody I mean, what is he making like 60 million in endorsements alone this year like this guy is this guy is it. Um, so I don't know I, is there is there well, still a chance we get him or is it looking
2: well I, I you're not gonna get him to throw uh, with the blitz with the blister. Uh, you just hope maybe he can swing a bat right but I think even more more importantly in that we we're talking, you know when they were in maybe the division race or the wild card race when they were actually in that. The thought was, do you ride it out and see what this if this team can make the postseason? Because the talk of uh, uh, Shohei leaving this team and signing this some monster, you know, six hundred million dollar deal or something. Now they're now they're on the outside looking into the postseason. So you wonder if that keeps going, does it kind of speed up the process of saying, well, if we're going to lose them, we got to get something for them. That's going to be some of the uh, because we've had two of the great players in Trout and Shohei be on a team that doesn't get to the postseason. So at some point you're looking for, you know, where Shoei is going to end up with his big money on maybe a contending team.
0: And since we haven't had him in the postseason, all-star weekends, usually in the spot where Major League Baseball was smart. They let him pitch and hit. They gave us the phenomenon on the weekend. And so you're right. It all just heightens the awareness of what's become a really prickly situation for the Angels. Speaking of prickly situations, let's get to the third. So if you missed it, Uh, The other day, the White House was temporarily closed on Sunday evening after Secret Service agents discovered a white powder suspected to be cocaine inside a work area in the West Wing. The Biden family was away from the White House at the time on vacation. Charlotte, you have a White House cocaine take. The floor is yours, friend.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think anyone who went to a liberal arts school um, is familiar with the uh, uppers in a on a Sunday night. Uh, this was clearly like I don't think this is like nobody is ta- everyone. There are all these uh, you can bet on. You know who left yeah. it there? Was it? You know I think the <laughs> highest odds were was Hunter Biden and then Travis yes. Kelsey from when they came to the White House. Which that's ridiculous. This is a staffer who's maybe twenty four. Works in the White House, like went to, say, a Colby College, just to shout out my alma mater, and is just trying to make it through the end of a long weekend to do some work. This is a, this is what that, the call is coming from inside the White House, my friends. This is total speculation. I don't know any of this. Disclaimer legal. Blah, I was going to say, <laughs>
0: Charlotte, it sounds like Sunday night cocaine at Colby College was some sort of bigger event than I gave you guys credit for.
1: I didn't do it. I didn't do it because I'm so neurotic that I was convinced that the first time I did drugs, I'd be the person who dies. But I did. I do think that it was I think it was a thing. So I'm just saying this is I I know exactly what's going on in there. Allegedly speculating.
2: Well, it'll be interesting if we ever actually find out or if this is, you know, one of the great hidden things that we're going to see out of the White House. And I guess my other question is, so this was in a work area. Are there not cameras in the White House? Are there not cameras? I mean,
0: something where you can see something?
2: Is People there, get very may, they...
1: comfortable. People get very comfortable.
0: I, I guess, but like to Dad's point, we just finished up the submersible thing where the Navy was quick to raise its hand and be like, we heard this thing explode days ago. We're all over this. But now in the White House, someone got cocaine yeah. in there?
1: I don't think yeah, it's... I, I... I think it's probably easier than everybody thinks it is. I'm, I, you know... Maybe the, the dogs, the, the drug dogs were off one day and someone just like waltzed on in. I don't know.
2: I, 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 I guess they, yeah. you have to be pouring over the video there to, to see if you. Uh, so now that it's confined to a work area, they obviously are concentrating on that area. But uh, I, to me, it the most interesting thing will be if we ever actually find out or if they just want it to go away and they say it was a staffer from Colby College.
0: Yep. it's just a reminder if you're in the white house listen make sure you do your cocaine over in the east wing like a gentle person and understand that the west wing is not for that kind of business i'm gonna be honest when i first saw this headline i thought this was connected to that jerry jones 10-part documentary for netflix and we were actually gonna get the white house stories that we were looking for um no white house stories here unfortunately but if you liked it anyway download subscribe rate review leave us a five-star rating thank you so much we'll talk to you tomorrow Boom, money in the bank.